Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, this morning, we will look at Ephesians 5, chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians, beginning in verse 18, and I'll read through uh, the end of the chapter. And you go, wow, we finally finished chapter 5. But uh, uh, there's so much here, isn't there, for us. And Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, penned these words, and, and they are for us. They're for our lives and, and for our happiness in the sense of glorifying God. He tells us here what we're to do. And so let's begin in verse 18. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And may God bless to our hearts this portion of his word. And, and uh, we have here a command, do we not, to be uh, filled, to be filled with the Spirit. And uh, that's something that uh, we want to look at this morning, being filled with the Spirit. And what does that mean? You probably could ask ten people that question and get ten different answers. Uh, or maybe a hundred people and get a hundred different answers. There's a lot of uh, uh, misunderstanding, I think, of what it is to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, some people would answer emotionally. Some would ex uh, answer from experience, probably. Some would uh, answer in a myst mystical way. And some would answer in a practical way. And so, uh, but what does the Bible say? Remember, go back to the Bible. What does it say? Not what man says about it, but what does the Bible say? And uh, it's interesting. I looked up on the Internet under, in Google, and uh, I just put uh, the Spirit-filled Bible, and there is a Bible today that's called the Spirit-filled Bible and by a particular person. And I got to thinking, well, I thought all Bibles were spirit-filled. <laughs> but then I got to reading and realized that the emphasis in this study Bible was the Holy Spirit. And that's why it was called the Spirit-filled uh, Bible. And I got to thinking, you know, you've got to be really careful about how you word things and how you mislead people with, uh, with saying something like that. Because it's the Scriptures that are spirit-filled. It was, it was pinned by uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, he inspired the scriptures, and our notes are not inspired. Amen. We can rearrange it and, and interpret it and, and, uh, and so forth, but it's a scripture. He wrote them. All scriptures, 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. Peter says... Uh, that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so we have to remember that. Uh, have you ever been asked maybe by someone, 
if you, this church, the church you go to, is a spirit-filled church. I've, I've been asked that by people, and I'll say, where, where do you preach? And I'll tell them, is that a spirit-filled church? And I said, well, it, what, yeah, and it is. Yeah. But I'll say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, do y'all speak in tongues? And maybe some, some different answers, but something along that line, and very subjective. Um, but what I want to do this morning is uh, see if we can't nail this down. Uh, what is being spirit-filled? Uh, and I think the Word of God tells us what it means to be spirit-filled. And it may be shocking uh, to you. And I don't think it's left to us to, to figure out. I think Paul, in this passage that we just read, tells us. He says, be filled. And then he says, what does that look like? Very clearly here. First of all, the first point is, uh, what is our duty? To be filled with the Spirit. And then our second major point will be, what does that look like? How can you tell if you're filled with the Spirit? What does that involve? These are the things we want to look at this morning. Uh, first of all, I think there's four things that I want to bring about, uh, talk about about our duty. It is a command, first of all. Paul says here, be filled. That's the, in the Greek, the imperative move. Be filled. Paul isn't saying, now I suggest to you that this would be a good thing for your life uh, if you want to do it or not, uh, uh, but I'm going to leave that up to you. And uh, this is a recommendation from me. No, that is not what he's saying. He says, be filled. It's an imperative mood. It's a command. Be filled uh, with. Uh, it is good advice, but that's, uh, that's not everything it is. Uh, it tells us, First of all, not to wait around passively and wait for this to happen. It's our responsibility to be filled with the Spirit. And we can't blame the Holy Spirit for not filling us. Have we asked Him to fill us? Or do we wait and, well, you know, I've been a week now and, and the Spirit of God just hadn't filled me. What is that, you know? It tells us, It's not just an emotional experience either. Because in a few weeks, we're going to be looking at husbands love your wives. That's a command also. Matter of fact, I think that is an indication of whether you're filled with the Spirit. But we'll look at that in the future. Uh, But you say, uh, love my wife? I don't feel that I love her anymore tough so what I don't feel like doing a lot of things but we're commanded to love our wives love is not a feeling it's an act of the will and uh, this is what this is be filled with the spirit Paul is saying actively pursue it and uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit and it's not just an emotionally based experience even though emotions are involved You can't work yourself up into a frenzy to be filled with the Spirit. It just doesn't work that way. And yet, emotions are involved here. It's uh, it's not emotionalism. It's not emotionalism, which is sad because that, I think, is what it boils down to in a lot of churches. Uh, So, 
the evidence, the real evidence of filling is what? And we're going to see that uh, somewhat today. But I think it is the fruit of the Spirit being filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Being a fruit tree filled with fruit. And uh, there's nothing worse than having a satsuma tree with two satsumas on it. Our tree this year is loaded. You know, but last year we had two or three. And, uh, but we're to be filled with the Spirit. And, um, and someone who says, you know, I've, uh, I've been to the mountaintop of experience. And I have experienced something far and above beyond what you just low-life Christians have. And uh, they're very proud of their experience. They're very proud because they have done something. Well, brothers and sisters, it's not what we do. It's what God is doing in us. And that doesn't make you proud. That humbles you. See, it do, you're not going to go around, oh, I'm filled with the Spirit, and I do this, and I do that, and, and uh, no. That is not uh, what being filled with the Spirit is, is all about. It's not emo- emotionalism. It's uh, not being a super Christian uh, where you have a mountaintop experience and you just uh, just kind of lose it and fall out on the floor and bark like a dog or whatever. I don't find that in Scripture at all. And yet, sad to say... Uh, a lot of emotionalism in the church today, in some churches. And yet, other churches, there needs to be more emotionalism. See, you can't just throw stones at those who maybe go too far. Or, no, what about us? Or do we get excited about uh, being in Christ? And, uh, and it should make us, uh, we should be stirred emotionally. But... Uh, What about the valleys? Can you be filled with the Spirit in the valley? Absolutely. Absolutely. Psalm 23, which we're all familiar with, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup does what? It's a picture of the Holy Spirit being anointed by the Holy Spirit where we just overflow. And when we do that, there's no fear. We can go through the valley of the shadow of death without any fear. We can go to the hospital and have a terrible operation and be at perfect peace. Perfect peace comes from Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, really trusting, really focusing on on what he has done and what uh, his indwelling spirit in you. But he gets all the praise. The, th- the second thing about this, uh, oh, by the way, what happens when we are filled with the spirit and the next day we're not filled with the spirit? Somebody says, because we leak. And I think that's so true. It's like a colander, you know, you just pour it and then all of a sudden you drip, 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 and it's empty. 
And we can leak. But you know what? We can also plug holes. We're going to talk about that a little bit. The second thing about our duty is that it is a universal command. This is for all Christians. By the way, we're all priests. Uh, and we all can be anointed by the Holy Spirit. There are no super Christians. I hate to break your bubble if you think you're a super Christian. And infilling of the Holy Spirit is not just for pastors and elders and deacons and leaders. And No, it's for all Christians. Some of the godliest people I've ever known were just laymen. And I mean that in sincerely too. The third thing about our duty, it is an ongoing command. It's in the present tense here. Uh, be being filled with the Spirit is what Paul is saying here. Jesus at, the, at Cana of Galilee filled the pots. That's in the aorist tense. It was a once for all event filling those pots. And as it was used, it, does, it, it was gone. But here, this means keep on being filled with the Spirit. Why? Because you leak. You're born again once. You're regenerated once. You're justified. You're declared righteous by faith in Christ once. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit Once at conversion. You're adopted once. He doesn't adopt you and then you fall away and he adopts you again and then you sin and fall away and he adopts. No, you're adopted once. But the filling of the Spirit is continual. Let us never forget that. Uh, We can be indwelt by the Spirit and we can also be filled with the Spirit. Um, So, we're looking at something that is ongoing here. And, the, uh, and this tells us as a Christian, we have the Spirit that, who indwells us, and that happens at conversion when we trust Christ as our only Lord and Savior, and uh, we're regenerated by faith we trust, and we have His Spirit, but yet we can have that and not be filled with the Spirit. I really believe that. Uh, So we need filling again and again and again. And uh, this is what I think Paul is driving at here. And it's our responsibility, our obligation as God's people to remain filled with the Spirit. In other words, this is something that you work at. This is something that you're actively involved with, that... Uh, You're putting on the whole armor of God, as we'll see at the end of uh, Ephesians. And we're standing up against the wiles of the devil and so forth. Filled with the Spirit is is, uh, something that continues to the end of our life. And we never arrive at perfection. It's interesting, the scripture says that John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit from birth. There was only one person that I know of who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and was spirit-filled all his life, and that's Jesus. 
And uh, fourthly, this is a command uh, to be filled, but not just for ourselves. It's not just about us so we can be happy and we can uh, live in a euphoric, uh, you know, in our own little bubble and shell and it's all about me and, oh, I'm happy. And No, it's to the view of other people. Paul says here what? Speaking to one another. Verse 19. Someone who is spirit-filled wants to help the body of Christ. Someone who says, you know, I'm just a loner and I, I very rarely go to church, and, uh, but I'm filled with the Spirit. Not according to Scriptures, you're not. Because Paul is saying here, when you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to be with other believers. You're not going to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You're going to be an active part of that church, da-da-da-da. You're not a loner. And you're not filled with the Spirit if you are a loner. Uh, I'm pretty certain of that. And so, um, someone like that not only hurts themselves, but they're hurting the body of Christ. Why? Because they're not where they're supposed to be doing what God has called them to do for others. You're not a loner. You're part of a body. Be a part of a body somewhere. May not be here, but somewhere. Be actively involved. Be filled with the Spirit. It grieves the Spirit when we, when we don't. One of the marks, I think, of, of the Holy Spirit is that uh, you love the brethren. 1 John 3.14 We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Love the brethren. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Loving the brethren, that's being a part of the church. Ministering to one another. Somebody has a need and you hear about it, you don't go, ah, I'll call so-and-so and let him take care of it. Or, No, you actively... Now, calling someone else if you can't do it is a good thing, but you're actively involved in the lives of other uh, people. I heard an illustration one time, and I really like this, and uh, we're to love the brethren. And it's kind of like saying, well, you know, I I love my wife or I love my husband, but I I don't go home with them. And it's like saying, well, I love the brethren, but I, I don't go home with them. I don't meet with them. You see, it's a contradiction. And isn't Satan clever how he talks and speaks to people and gets them to do things that are totally against Scripture, and yet they'll think that that whole church is wrong, and I'm spirit-filled, and if they would just... And they just wander around. They're loners and not taken apart, and that's, that's sad. No, we want to be with our wives or our husbands at home, do we not? Yes, we do. You do. You... You love being with other Christians. And that is submitting to Christ and what Christ has said. So that's the first major point. Uh, It's a a command. It's our duty. It's our responsibility. The second main point is what does being filled involve? What does it look like? 
And I want to look at seven things that I think Paul says here that describes that. In chapter 4, he talked about not grieving the Holy Spirit. You say, well, that was way back in chapter 4. But remember, this is a letter that was read. Okay? It was not divided up into chapters. Uh, And uh, so this is something that was read. And we talked about already about grieving the Holy Spirit. And all the sins that Paul mentioned, lying, bitterness, and not forgiving one another and all. Uh, Because when we do those things, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We ignore Him. And we lose the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And that's what we're talking about. We want the Holy Spirit to pour out more of His gracious influences and fill us and not do those things that drive Him away where He cannot influence our lives. We need to be sensitive to what grieves Him and put it away, confess, forsake it. You know, we have a wonderful promise from uh, 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Secondly, we see uh, being filled is the opposite of drunkenness. Did you, did you see that? Be not drunk with wine. Now, he's not saying here, don't drink wine. Because if he'd have said that, there'd have been an uproar. Because back in those days, everybody drank wine. It was like water. And it was alcoholic. It was oinos. And oinos in the scripture, the Greek word, is always alcohol. Sorry, uh, if you care not to imbibe, uh, enjoy it, that's up to you. And I'm not going to make an issue out of that point. Uh, But all alcohol, when you've had too much, is a mind-bending experience. You will lose your inhibitions. You will uh, hold in, uh, not hold in check things that you shouldn't say. And so to be drunk with wine is losing self-control, is it not? That's what you're basically doing when you have had too much is you lose. It's, it's really the, though, the abuse of any drug, anything that would uh, cause you to uh, stumble and fall. Uh, you're to... Do things in moderation. Moderation. It's interesting, a a pastor of mine years ago, uh, he had an elder that didn't drink anything, and he looked down on on people that, you know, would have a glass of wine or a beer or whatever. And by the way, it says, be not drunk on uh, wine. Be not drunk with wine. And so people say, well, it's okay then to be drunk with beer or scotch or... (laughs) No, no. (laughs) It's amazing, though, how we can uh, justify things, isn't it? But he he said, oh, to this elder, he said, how many cups of coffee have you had since we've been here in this meeting? He said, I think six. And he said, you're addicted to caffeine, which is a drug. Oh, no, I'm not either. He says, okay, I challenge you. Stop drinking coffee and see what happens. The man was in the hospital for a week. With withdrawals, so you see, it's abuse of it's abuse of things. It's, it, it it bends our mind, and uh, it takes control. So, what is Paul doing here? 
I think he's drawing a contrast between what you were like as a lost person. Contrasted with how you are now as a believer. You had an old life as a lost person. Now you have a new life in Christ. What is the result of drunkenness? Loss of self-control. What is the result of being filled with the Spirit? Self-control. Well, how do I know that? Well, I know if the Holy Spirit works in you, you will have self-control. Well, we find that, do we not, in the fruit of the Spirit. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I don't know, it doesn't come up. Maybe it's 23, and that's what it was, it was 23. But the last one mentioned is self-control. So there's a contrast here of people who are out of control and those who are self-controlled controlled because they're filled with the Spirit. I think even in our worship service, things should not get out of control. And it's easy to get out of control in anything we do. And uh, even in worship service, uh, it should be in control of those as well. So what do we see in 1 Corinthians 14, 40? But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way, even worship services. So if a service is so disorderly and just all emotions and you don't even know what's going on, that is not spirit-filled because he is a God of order and he has given us instructions uh, on this and we need, to, we need to take it to heart. Everything is to be done uh, decently in, in order, not out of control. It's interesting also, I think, being filled means with the word of Christ. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're filled with the word of Christ. It's very interesting in Colossians chapter 3, which is a very parallel passage. Paul probably wrote them very close together. But uh, Colossians 3, 16 and 17, he doesn't say be filled with the Spirit. What does he say? And yet the rest of it is pretty much like Ephesians. He said, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. And that's our last point, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. But he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Interesting, isn't it? So maybe being filled with the Spirit is the word of Christ dwelling, is dwelling in you richly. It's interesting, isn't it, how Satan can, can get us astray on uh, false teaching. But here it's very uh, uh, clear, I think. He's talking about being filled with the Spirit. Um, and by the way, you don't get rid of the word and let the Spirit work. The Spirit of God never works contrary to His Word. 
Never. Never. And so, well, let's just don't worry about God's word and let's just all get happy. And you have entertainment and that's not being filled with the Spirit. I don't see it in Scripture anyway. And if it's there, let me know. Uh, I'd like to know, but I, I don't think it's there. And uh, now notice these four phrases that are found in this, in this portion of Scripture. And I think uh, they answer what being filled with the Spirit looks like as well. He says, addressing one another. Uh, to one another. I think what he's talking about is in worship is evidenced by spiritual fellowship. When we come together, spirit-filled believers are going to fellowship and worship together. I think that's all he's saying. You know, we just make all this uh, uh, more than, than really what it is, and yet it's important that uh, we see what the scriptures are saying here. Uh, I don't think we need to figure out what spiritual songs and singing that and, and uh, the songs we know. and No. What is he saying? He is saying here to have it centered around the truth of God. Centered around spiritual songs. Songs that have meat in them. We sing songs that sing about who Christ is and the truth from the Word of God. That's what he's talking about. And we do this with one another and to one another. Fellowshipping with one another. Addressing uh, each other. And uh, it's just that simple to me. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, can be, I can always learn. And now he goes from addressing one another to, notice, addressing the Lord. He says, with your heart to the Lord. In other words, our singing together, our fellowshipping together, our worshiping together is what? To the Lord. And that's how you know you're spirit-filled, if you're singing to the Lord. It is about being spirit-filled always points to the Lord. Did you hear what I say? Being spirit-filled always, the Holy Spirit always points to the Lord, to Christ Himself. We are blessed because of Christ, because of what Christ did on the cross for us. Did He not die on the cross, paid for our sin, was resurrected for our justification, and by faith in Him, we have eternal life. Hallelujah. That's praise and glory to God. And it's always to the Lord. The Holy Spirit will always point us to the Lord. Isn't that what Jesus said, by the way, in John 16, 13, and 14? But when He, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify who? Me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. He always, the Holy Spirit always points us to the Lord. And so, 
If you say, well, I have a spirit-filled Bible. Great, as long as it points to the Lord. I don't have any trouble with, the, with that term because all Bibles are spirit-filled. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need to understand that. It is because of what Christ has done. We look to Him and Him alone. Also, in verse 20, we see being filled with the Spirit is evidenced by thankfulness. Thankfulness? That's not very hard to understand. It, I mean, that's... What? Yep, being filled is evidenced by being thankful. You know, I think we need to be careful about focusing on our problems, our sicknesses, our calamities, and all the things that we can that happen in our life. And, and you know, we'll say, well, you know, uh, the devil is, is, is just doing all of this, and, you know, I don't know where God is, and, and what? Well, no. A spirit-filled Christian recognizes God's sovereignty and providence in all this. Really? That's exactly right. If you're spirit-filled, you understand and see that everything that happens to you is for your good. How do I know that? Well, that's what the Word of God tells us, does it not? Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, not most things, you know, except the ones the devil gets in control of, when, when God goes off and goes to sleep, uh, you know, he sneaks in and does all this bad stuff without God. No, 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 no. The devil brings it, but God sends it. He is in control. He, and it says in all things, God works for the good. Everything works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Probably one of the greatest verses that teach this is found in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks. That's what the point is here. Give thanks in all circumstances. Good ones, bad ones, all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As a Christian who is spirit-filled, you can understand God's in control. And I can have perfect peace because I believe that. Why? Because God's word tells me that. That's my experience. Wow, I must be spirit-filled. You see how he, that's, that's just, it's that easy. It's not all this emotionalism and getting carried away. And uh, uh, Now, I, I'm not saying don't get carried away in Jesus. I think you ought to get carried away uh, and, and, and praise him and, and love him and, and, and all. So don't take that the wrong way. 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God, giving thanks to God, who always, well, no, you know, he most of the time leads us. No, always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal possession, procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Whoa, that's a spirit-filled Christian. Amazing, you see. So one of the evidences of being filled with the Spirit is being thankful in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, he says, concerning you. It's all about 
Christ. It's all about Christ. And I hope we understand that. I hope that's been our experience. The Holy Spirit pointing us to Christ. Being filled lastly is evidenced by submission. Now this is the tough one. This is the one we don't like. Husbands don't like being submissive to to Christ as their head. Wives don't like being submissive to their husbands as their head. Children don't like being submissive to their parents as their head. Slaves don't don't like being submissive to their masters as their head. But Paul is saying what? Being filled is evidenced by submission to one another. Verse 21. What does that mean? It's a military term. Uh, It's uh, soldiers who are in their proper place under their proper authority. In other words, you have from generals down to privates. And uh, we need to learn that. And we're all to be submissive under uh, the one who is above us. And of course, Christ is above all of us, but particularly the husband. And we're going to see that in the coming weeks. And uh, husbands, love your wives and what that means. Um, So, spirit-filled wives will submit to their husbands. That's in verse 22. I think this is what he's telling us here. Verse 25, spirit-filled husbands will submit to the authority and example of Christ in their homes. Spirit-filled children, this is chapter 6 in verse 1, spirit-filled children will obey their parents and so forth. And so, spirit-filled can be understood. Doesn't It's not a sensationalism. It's not... Ecstatic, uh, miraculous, extraordinary uh, gifts, miracles, uh, grandeur, events. Because you can have all of that and not even have Christ. Whoa, that's pretty shocking. Where is that found? Jesus said it pretty plainly. Matthew 7, 15 through 23. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their what? Fruit. You will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. In other words, a spirit-filled person is going to bear good fruit. But a bad tree bears uh, bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear fruit. Bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone, notice, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, and that's an intimate Lord, Lord, by the way. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, here we go. Didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? 
Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. So you can have, you can have all those things and still not have Christ. Amazing. Uh, that's, I don't understand it totally, but uh, that's what the Word of God says. And so, so what's here for us? Do we desire to be transformed daily by living person, the Holy Spirit? Do we desire to have abounding in our lives more and more the fruit of the Spirit? Or do we desire every day to be on cloud nine so we can be happy, so we can get all the goodies Are we desiring to die more and more to sin? See, that's being filled with the Spirit, dying more and more to sin. Persevering, plugging away as a Christian soldier. Where are you this morning? Let me just ask you, where are you this morning? Are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? Have I described you this morning? Does this describe you? Are you looking for something more? Jesus is all you need. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will point you to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we will come together and fellowship, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Worshiping our Lord and Savior by the power of His Holy Spirit filling us as we call upon Him. And uh, let us do that. I hope you'll do that in your own heart of hearts. Even now, if there is something uh, uh, in your life that's punched holes, you need to plug those holes. You need to confess it. Bring it to Christ and have that hole filled and be filled with the Spirit. You know what? He'll rush in. He will rush in. I have had Him rush in and fill me with peace and joy before in confessing of sin. He'll do it. I've experienced that. But you know what? It's always a humbling experience. It's not something to go around saying, I got it. I wish you had what I got. No. It's... it's It's seeing Jesus is all you need. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you and praise you for your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that your Spirit points us to Christ. And that, Father, we, as we learn in the book of Hebrews, that would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith that we would look unto Him, that we would see that in this life we only need Him. And then, Lord, that You would fill us with Your Spirit. Lord, that You would be with us, not only on the mountaintops, but in the, the valleys as well, because You will be there for us. 
and you are always there for us. So Lord, help us uh, to live the Christian life through the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.